Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On June 21st, 2016, 10 storytellers shared their stories with our audience at Holy Hound Tap Room in downtown York. Our theme for the evening was The Naked Truth. Meg Martin won with a story about being completely honest with her friend about that friend's boyfriend. Here's Meg. I wasn't planning to share anything tonight, but uh, since I realized that I don't know anybody except one person here and, and none of my girlfriends are here, I can get away with telling this stuff and it doesn't matter. So in every crowd of female friends, I think, especially as you get older, there's one woman who tells the naked truth. She's the risk taker, the deal breaker, the change maker. And I think it turns out that in my group of friends, it's me. (laughs) So uh, I wish I could tell you that I've only done that once, that major risk taking, this chick might never talk to me again, come to Jesus conversation, or go away from Jesus because this is too much now. But there's been so many times I've done it, and I just want to tell you about one when the naked truth really was necessary. So I have this friend, we'll call her Janet, because that's actually her name. (laughs) And uh, Janet and I worked together, played together, had a great time together. It's the sister from another Mista, the woman you want to see succeed. You don't mind telling her she's beautiful and cheering her on because you just, like her winning is so awesome that you're winning. And then when she's losing or failing, it hurts you. And this guy she was seeing, let's call him Steve, because that was his name. Uh, He was living with her, and he was just bringing her down. She's successful, and she's professional, and this is the guy who doesn't work, doesn't treat her well. I mean, you just can't believe she's with him. But we all know a woman like this who is selling herself way short. And a friend reminded me that George Carlin once said, Uh, Everybody respects honesty until you're honest with them, and then you're an asshole. (laughs) So it was my moment. We were having many, many beers one night after a party at which she and Steve had hosted people at their house, and I was having many drinks with Janet, and I, I just looked over at her and I said, please don't be offended, but I have to ask, does he have a magic penis? Does it do flips and tricks and make you go places that you've never been before and potentially make you meow? Because if it doesn't, I don't know what you're doing. And, um, and then I, I felt like the asshole the whole way home, and I thought she might never speak to me again. But uh, she called me a couple days later, and she said, well, I want to thank you for sharing how you really feel. And I was like, oh, but I wasn't done. <laughs> I said, actually, it turns out if you ever decide to make a move and liberate yourself, I really believe in you, and I will be at your house with a bottle of red, a bottle of white, you know, whatever you're into that night, and some boxes and some tags and marking pens and bags and other things that would just get him the frack out of your house. I would do that for you and also possibly for me. And so we ended the conversation, but a couple days later at work, she stuck her face around the cubicle wall and said, I think I'm ready. And I was like, yes, this is the moment I've been waiting for. And I went and I ran around to three or four of the other women who worked with us and knew the story, and we all had secret high fives, and we were very excited. 
So I went to Janet's with all of the supplies that I listed, and the bottle of red and the bottle of white, and we drank them both while we packed all of his things and labeled them carefully and changed the house code. And it was like one of the best days of my, I mean, her life. <laughs> Couple weeks later, you know, she's having buyer's remorse. She's worried. She made this wrong decision. <clears throat> and I think this is the moment with getting older, mid-30s, late-30s, we start thinking, should I have done that? What if no one ever loves me again? And someone needs to tell you the naked truth again. Someone will love you for whatever duration of time you're looking for, and I know a place where we can get that. It's called New Orleans, let's go. <laughs> so, <laughs> Janet and I flew to New Orleans. I called a couple of my guy friends who I had known for a long time, and I just said, I know, this is honest. I need a ringer. <laughs> so we invited one of the guys over to get to know Janet. And I'm not going to tell you anything else, because you know what happens in New Orleans ends up on Facebook. And uh, so we went away for the weekend, and she realized that there is affection around the next corner, and she could give it another shot. Someone else would think she was attractive. I have to tell you that here we are 18 months later, she has two beautiful babies, a perfectly great husband, and a brand new mortgage. It turns out that you need the naked truth every once in a while. Someone's got to give it to you. When you get it, please be open. Meg are in the spot in our Grand Slam in November. Next up is Brian R. Kane. Brian told us about the teacher who told him and his classmates the truth about sex. Uh, hello, everybody. Yes, my name is Brian R. Kane. Um, I was born in a particular geographic location in a particular year. That is no shock to anyone, as you have all had the exact same experience. But because of where I was born and when I was born, it meant that 11 years later, I was in the fifth grade, and my public school system decided that we needed to know something about how our bodies worked. All right, so we got trotted into the library, every fifth grade boy in my class, all whatever, 12 or 15 of us that were the boys in my class, and we got trotted into the library, and there was an outside consultant there, and they showed us a little video about how boners worked, and about what sperm was, and about what our testicles were, and how babies were made, and things like that. And this was the first time that I guess I experienced what someone would probably call later the naked truth. The truth about what happened to us when we were naked with somebody else. Now, I'm in fifth grade. I'm 11. I have never heard this information before, and it's kind of like, okay, that's cool. After this video presentation with the outside consulting group, they hand us a little booklet, and you're supposed to take that booklet home for a week and study it with your parents, which meant I had to go home and tell my parents, I have testicles. <laughs> that's cool. The stuff comes out of them sometimes. That's cool. All right, but the best part was that after a week, you were assigned a partner in your grade level who was a girl. And you had to trade books. Because the girls had had the same presentation, but for their bodies. And we had to trade books and then keep those for a week. So I went home and I said, girls have another thing that goes in and mine, I don't know how, uh, dad, mom, help. And they did the best they could. They're wonderful parents, not saying anything bad there. Um, and then after the week, then you had to go back and talk with that partner about what you learned from each other's books. I have no idea who my partner was. I have no idea what we talked about. I'm sure that I blocked that out years and years and years ago. 
All right, so that was fifth grade. That was the first time that my public school system decided to teach us a little bit about how our naked bodies worked. The next time it was mandated by our school district was another four years later when I was in ninth grade. Now this is what I really want to talk about. Because in ninth grade I was assigned as a health teacher, Mrs. Dottie Borkowski. To you and to me and to everybody else for the rest of the time, Mrs. B. Alright? Now Mrs. B was our gym and our health teacher. And in gym class, we loved her so much that every day in gym class, we would make a bee out of our bodies on the floor. 20 people would line up on the floor and make a bee. And one day we had the big rope thing up on the wall and we climbed the rope thing we weren't supposed to and made a bee so that we could show Mrs. B how much we loved her. And we loved Mrs. B so much because she told us the unadulterated naked truth. She was the first person that ever used the word consent in front of me. She was the first person who brashly in front of everyone said to all the girls, are you not masturbating because all the boys are? That was the kind of stuff that Mrs. B would say. All right, she was assigned to us in health class, and then we had to do the STD slideshow, which is the worst thing that ever has happened to my retinas, and I have not been able to block that out, and it has kept me wearing condoms for lots and lots of years afterward. All right? Um, Mrs. B also was really against uh, boys who wore pants that went below, say, where pants are supposed to go. <laughs> And any time that she would see a boy in class with, her sh with his shorts down so that you could see his underwear, she'd go, do you want to see that from me? And she would pull down her pants so we could see her old underwear. Now, Mrs. B uh, is in her mid-60s at the time. Um, uh, my father had had her for health class years before and had told me that she had told the exact same stories in the late 70s. All right. So, but Mrs. B, really importantly, told me for the first time and told us for the first time, probably against the rules of what she was supposed to say in health class, that yes, we're allowed to masturbate. It feels good. Yes, you're allowed to do sex. It feels good, just be safe about it. Boys and girls both have a voice in the bedroom or back of the car or wherever the hell we were doing it when we were in ninth grade. I wasn't doing it in ninth grade, but I think we had 10 girls leave class because they were pregnant. So somebody was doing it when we were in ninth grade. All right. But Mrs. B was the first one to use the word consent. She was the first one that said we have agencies over our own body. She's the first one who told all of us that it was okay to feel good when you have these urges, not just uh, you will get pregnant, you will get an STD, and you will die. All right. Um, and throughout my life continuing forward, all right, I have tried to spread the word of Mrs. B's uh, naked truth to the rest of the world. I uh, worked in New York City at a sexual health agency for a while. Um, I have tried to just, from person to person, talk about condoms and safe sex and things like that, all right? And so I would, for uh, lack of any other cliche, want to raise a glass to the Mrs. B's in my life and in your life, the people who first told you that sex was okay, that it was okay to feel good about what you were doing in the bedroom, and the first people that told you that the naked truth is really fucking cool. To Mrs. B. Our final story on this month's podcast comes from photojournalist Jason Plotkin, who recounts a time he pissed off some firefighters while trying to get a shot. All right, so I'm a photographer for the York Daily Record Sunday News, and I do a lot of career days for high school kids. And if you've ever done a career day for high school kids, they never ask questions. 
So usually I'll bring in like candy or money or something to bribe them to ask questions. So this one time, you know, every once in a while these kids will ask, you know, have you ever pissed off someone while you're on an assignment? I'm like, you know what I do, right? I'm a photographer for the York Daily Record Sunday News. Of course I piss people off. I have been pushed and punched and shoved and spit on and cursed at. I've fallen through a roof during a fire. I've been bitten the ass by a dog. And in this one particular incident, it involved a fire hose, uh, toxic material, and nudity. So, <laughs> it's, uh, it's 2002, and it's October, and it's very cold. And we get a call that there was a toxic spill on Route 83. So they send us up there to get some photos. And I don't know if you know how hard it is to block off exits on 83, but you have to totally block it off and stop traffic and reroute stuff so it takes forever to get there. And by the time you get there, they keep the media at either exit one end or exit the other end. So for me, I'm like, okay, well that's not good enough. I can't stay at one end or the other, so I need to sneak around and I need to get to where things are happening so I can get a photograph. So. I climb over fences, and I'm going through farmland, and I'm walking around, and I get to the point in between these two periods where, you know, I see where they are. So I climb up on Route 83, I come over the barrier, and I get up there, and the first thing I see when I turn to my right is a Pennsylvania State Police officer. So suddenly, we lock eyes, and I look at him, and suddenly I turn into Joey Tribbiani from Friends, and I'm like, how you doing? <laughs> and he's like, how did you get here? And I'm like, I just walked over. I just came over here. And, you know, and I noticed about 30 yards up, there were guys and they were cleaning up the toxic material. I'm like, hey, do you mind if I go up there and I get some photographs? And he's like, no. He goes, but some of the toxic stuff, some of the materials, it's on the road over there. And I'm like, oh, I took that as an invitation of, you should go over there and take photographs of that material. So what do I do? Walk over on Route 83, I stand over there and I start taking photographs. Probably not in this pose like this, so we don't usually do this, but I didn't want to fuck up Randy's shot. So anyway, so, so suddenly I hear, what the fuck are you doing? And I turn around and it's a firefighter. And I said, uh, well, you know, I'm with the York Daily Record. He goes, I know who the fuck you are. My question is, what the fuck are you doing? And so I'm just taking some photographs. He goes, this is contaminated material. You've been contaminated. You need to be detoxed. We're taking your clothes and we're taking your equipment. It is a very cold October morning. He says, we're going to hose you down and we're going to detox you. And I said, hold it. You're not touching my clothes. You're not touching my equipment. I want to reach out to my editors and I want to get this thing straightened out before you do anything. So this is 2002. I have a beeper. I don't have a phone. So the police have to reach out to my editors and let them know what happens and I have to wait for them to call back. So I'm thinking to myself going, dude, I'm the fucking press. You ain't doing shit to me. So it comes back, the message comes back and the cop says, yeah, your editor says, take his clothes. Don't touch his equipment. <laughs> so I have to go behind a fire truck and on 83 and get naked while they give me this paper thin yellow banana suit jumpsuit to put on and then they turn the fire hoses on me. It's cold. But here I am, right? So, but the, the cool thing was, at least the cool thing for a moron like me was that I could stay there for at least another half an hour. So while everyone else was on the other end and I'm freezing, 
I'm happy because I'm taking photographs of things that no one else could take photos of. And I'm going, oh, this is awesome. This is cool. This is great. And then I, I get back to my boss and I'm like, hey, I'm going to go home and I'm going to change first. And they're like, no, 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 you can't because we have this mandatory meeting with the United Way and you have to come in <laughs> with all these people and you have, to, you have to go to this meeting. And I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah. So, so I'm like, okay, so these guys are in suits and I show up in this yellow banana jumpsuit and I'm like, this is kind of cool. And, and I walk in and I, it's like, it's like I won the effing lottery. I'm like, my head's up proud. I'm like, yeah, that's right. I'm wearing a banana yellow jumpsuit, I'm fine. So I come and I, for the meeting, and the big hump of this whole thing was I found out like two months later that the firefighters, they told me at another fire that the materials that were on the road were not toxic. And they were just, they were just pissed at me because I snuck around to where I wasn't supposed to go and they intentionally fucked with me so, for doing what I did. So to answer the question, do I sometimes piss people off when I'm on assignment? Hell yeah. Thank you. Our next event is scheduled for Tuesday, July 19th, when we'll draw 10 names from the hat to tell stories based on the theme, Brush with Fame. Remember, you can purchase tickets on our website, yorkstoryslam.com, and while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on Twitter at York Story Slam, as well as on Facebook, and watch videos of all the stories from our events on our YouTube channel. Our podcast is produced with support from The Beer Ace. Find them at thebeerace.com. This episode comes to you with support from this month's featured brewery partner, Star Hill Brewery. We hope to see you on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services. Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com.